today's world, full of unprecedented setbacks, to map the true scale of opportunity, data analytics is imperative. Moreover, to gain a competitive edge in the modern world with accurate and actionable decisions, every industry needs to capitalize on leveraging data, to be more specific, predictive analytics or forecasting. Hello, and welcome to Helix Tapping the Industry, a series where we examine the forces driving the rubber market today. I am Arusha Das, Head of Pricing, Data and Research of Helixtap Technologies. I am joined today by one of Helixtap's advisors and our lead motor data strategist, Dr. Bilal Baki. Hi, Dr. Baki. Hi, Arusha. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. We will be talking about uh, predictive forecasting and modeling today with Dr. Baki. But to begin, could you explain your transition from theoretical physics to finance and some of the commonalities you've observed? I actually became interested in finance in 1971 when I realized that uh, famous Black-Scholes equation for option pricing uh, can be recast as an equation of quantum mechanics. So based on this uh, realization, that uh, one can use the mathematics of quantum mechanics. I proposed uh, mathematical models for interest rates, options, bonds, commodities, and both micro and macroeconomics. I found out that all of finance and economics, especially the quantitative aspect, uh, can be actually modeled quite well using quantum mechanics, the mathematics of it. So clearly, once you make a model, you really want to know, is it valid for the market or is it just a fanciful way of thinking? So, uh, you know, my students and uh, myself, we ran a, a numerous empirical tests over many years of my models, and they turned out to be surprisingly accurate for a diverse range of instruments that I modeled and across many markets, FX options, uh, options on equities, options on interest rates, their cost options. But I never applied them onto the market. I was, you know, as an academic, I was interested in the theoretical aspect of the market. And of course, it's empirical, uh, you know, uh, testing of the models. Now, the key reason why the mathematics of quantum mechanics can be used for modeling instruments in finance is because the future of these instruments is clearly uncertain and random, as is the future of economic activities. And hence, this uncertainty and randomness requires a kind of mathematics which is actually ideally suited if you use the mathematics of quantum mechanics for this mathematics. So the mathematics of quantum mechanics is ideally suited for explaining random phenomena and uh, finance and economics, especially the future, falls in that domain. So that's the reason why I persisted in modeling these phenomena with what I call quantum mathematics. That is a very interesting link. Now to talk about the propriety predictive model, what are the um, key uses you've built it for? How would you suggest our market participants use this for their benefit? The two regimes for forecasting commodity prices, short term, which is less than a month, and long term, a month out to a year. I mean, preferably most uh, models in the market, uh, they give you quarterly which means three monthly forecast into the future. But one can actually push out to one year. Now, forecasting models become important for long-term trends. And this allows for firms to plan their cash flows and take long-term positions. So for long-term trends, it's no point the trader trying to guess based on his intuition and his experience of the last few weeks. It turns out in most cases that leads to wrong results. So if you really are thinking of forecasting out beyond a month, you really need some guidance from quantitative models. That's where I find that it's most useful. 
Of course, there are many more the applications, like if you want to hedge your positions, if you want to actually regulate your cash flows, but all of them fall in the range of instruments which are coming into play after a month or more. Now, if we compare it to the oil market, which have been largely financialized, where do you see rubber in this? And where do you expect we will get to in the future? Rubber has a long way to go to catch up with the oil markets. Um, the value of the global oil market, which includes crude oil, biofuels, natural gas, and others, in 2019 was about $1.6 trillion. There were 1.2 million futures oil contracts every day on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange every day, and I'm talking about 2022. Rubber production, on the other hand, is only about 14 million tons per year with a price of about $1,500 per ton. That gives you a, a total volume for rubber, about $21 billion. So the oil market has a volume 50 times bigger than rubber, and the oil derivative market is very liquid and also very volatile. So rubber, I think, is in a different category of commodities than oil. The rubber market needs to develop, in my view, financial instruments such as derivatives and options for the proper hedging of open positions, as well as for creating greater liquidity. My view is that derivatives, especially options, is the direction towards which the rubber industry will develop and should develop. something that you brought from your time as a physicist to the finance and commodities world. Is that what inspired you to create the predictive model with Flixner? In physics, the future is explained in what is called correlation functions and the mathematical models that explain these correlation functions. A correlation function is something which is different from cause and effect. You know, cause and effect is that if you kick a football, it'll fly in a certain direction in which you kicked it. In a correlation function, there's no cause and effect. You have a price today, the certain likelihood that the price one week down the line will be similar or dissimilar to the price today. So you're looking at correlation of prices in, in a time series. So in finance, the correlation functions to me are the key to any kind of predictive model. So the predictive models for Helix tab that we have developed are based on the idea that the price of rubber is determined by its autocorrelation between correlation with itself in the past as well as its cross-correlation with other commodities that determine the consumption of rubber. Based on this idea, we have developed a model which can predict out to even four months beyond a quarter. Okay, that would be interesting. Even said, you said that you know it's not largely driven by cause and effect. Now, with the COVID era and this year, it has brought a huge volatility and many black swans uh, from the Russia-Ukraine crisis, China's zero COVID policy, and also most recently, Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, all impacting rubber and the wider commodity market. And looking at Helixtap's predictive model, how has the accuracy been impacted and how would users utilize the predictive tools to navigate these models? Helisap has an advantage in that its predictive models are based on seven years of proprietary historical data and continuous flow of data sets from a wide range of contributors. So this data set is actually the core of the advantage that Helixap has in creating predictive models. Now, as far as the black swan events go, you know, the, the, the equity markets have been devastated by them as well as the bond markets. But the commodities markets uh, surprisingly have not been that adversely affected. Uh, of course, you know, oil is different, it's political, so volatility is closely tied to the policies of big governments. 
Now, the weekly forecast based on helix steps data going through the black swan events of the last few months, we still have a relative root mean square of error, which is less than 2%, which is you know quite good. The forecasting model for rubber prices has been holding through the black swan events of this year. The error for the forecasting for longer time intervals obviously gets progressively higher as you go further into the future, but it is still within the bounds set by the forecasting model. The forecasting model gives you a prediction and gives you a bound, up and lower bound, within which we expect the model to work, okay? Because you can't pre precisely predict a price. You can predict a price plus minus some error, and that error sets the bound, the up and lower bounds for the predictive price. So, so far, uh, we have not broken out of the bounds set by the forecasting models. Now, short-term traders use the intuition weekly and monthly moving averages for our prices. For any position, be it long or short, which is more than a month, the trader needs to be guided by quantitative forecasting, as I mentioned earlier. In my view, the most efficient use of forecasting is in taking appropriate futures positions and hedging these positions using options. For pricing the options, uh, we uh, need the mathematical models. Okay, that is really interesting. But could you explain your methodology a little bit to our listeners? How does it compare with more traditional econometric models? All right, that's a nice question. Okay, let me let me answer that. So as I mentioned previously, forecasting model is based on the historical behavior of the autocorrelation of our prices and its cross-correlation with other carefully chosen relative commodities. Now, that's a similar approach taken by econometric models, okay? They have an expansion of the price in terms of what they think are the primary drivers of the prices. And so if you confine yourself to a fixed data set, then the econometric and correlation model yield comparable results. And the reason is very simple. The reason is that the economic model can keep on including more and more drivers for the prices, and they can then essentially saturate the prediction uh, using the data points we have. So it becomes comparable. I won't say same. However, so the story doesn't end there, okay? At that point, you're simply dealing with data. Data sets and data streams and correlation functions are computed based on the data set you have, okay? There's nothing else coming into it. But however, if you go further and construct a mathematical model for the evolution of commodity prices, in particular, say, rubber and other commodities, then these models depend on certain parameters of the model, uh, which are absent in econometric models. And these parameters need to be calibrated using historical data. The forecasting based on these mathematical models, which the parameters are recursively updated, these forecasts in general are more accurate and reliable in econometric models. So when we do the forecasting, we obviously run the econometric model also to see how the two uh, compare. And that's to be fair to the, the model, right? The model, if it doesn't outperform the econometric model, we need to know that. However, even we have seen in case when the predictions are comparable between the mathematical model and the econometric model, the mathematical model gives far more insight into the forces driving the commodity prices. Because you have a model in which you have, say, one or two parameters which are controlling the evolution of the commodity prices. This concept is missing in econometrics. In econometrics, all they have, you have to put down from your own imagination and your knowledge of the market the primary drivers of the prices. And if your initial guess is wrong, you're way off. Then you'll never get the results. So an economic model is very important that you decide what goes into the model. 
But if you do mathematical modeling of the commodity prices, you discover that surprisingly, almost 90% of the prices of a commodity are based on the historical price of the commodity by itself. The other commodities influence it approximately 10%. So 90% of the price you actually can get from the model itself. This you cannot get from the econometric approach. In an econometric approach, you need to know accurately. Like, for example, if you're doing rubber prices and you have to link it to, say, production of automobiles, for example, suppose you don't include that, then your prediction is off. Or you may have to include something like copper, which goes into, you know, processing rubber to make tires, for example. So if you don't put copper into your economic model, you're lost. So in my view, it's not the economic models don't work. The problem there is that you need to put in a lot of information ad hoc by yourself. So I prefer a mathematical model where 90% of the prediction is based on the commodity price itself. And that also makes sense because we have markets which are autonomous. You have a market for rice, you have a market for oil, you have a market for sugar. These are autonomous. Other commodities, of course, influence them, but they influence them, I would say, you know, 5 to 10%. So that's the real, in my view, difference between a mathematical model and econometrics. And I'm giving you an elaborate answer because this is often raised. I mean, logically so. How are these two approaches different? Now, to use the mathematical models, one, of course, needs a long, fairly long time series of the commodity prices for calibrating the model. And calibrating the model means to determine from the market what are the parameters of the model. And also, as you can imagine, the market has regimes, the market switches. Switches means that the parameters undergo change also. They're not constant. So you need a fairly long time series to see how far can you go with the parameters before regime switching happens. And a lot of other intricacies you have to study. And so here, of course, I find that uh, Helix tab has an advantage because if you have seven years of primary data, and which is proprietary, not available to the others, then you can do modeling and you can do forecasting with others can't do. And so that's what I feel that it's a direction that uh, Helix Tap is moving towards. Thank you so much, Dr. Baki. Indeed, predictive analytics tool to state the probabilities of the possible outcomes in future is the best option we have to deal with the economic volatilities. Knowing can help market participants to plan many aspects of their business. To find the weekly price prediction for TSR, please check out the predictive price segment of www.data.blxdap.com. If you found today's episode insightful, let us know at marketing at For more updates on the rubber industry, please check out www.helixdap.com. And you can also follow us on socials under the handle HelixDAP. Thanks for tuning to Helix Dapping Industry. Until next time.